This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Army crawling closer to a Toronto Maple Leaf hockey game. See what you did there? No. Oh, no, no jokes intended on the uh, talk it practice? Do you see the Canucks doing that? Yes, I did. Okay, all right. I did. Oh. There, it is just a foregone conclusion that once you uh, become a new coach, uh, you're, you're, the team that you're inheriting is out of shape. That is such a go-to, isn't it? That's the first. Well, first thing I'm going to do is whip oh these boys into shape. I've had it too goodness. easy. Who was the head coach before <laughs> this that left me this crap? Now, in fairness, Bruce Boudreaux, maybe not the hardest driver of the boys at times. So maybe there was something to it. Well, not till tomorrow night uh, do we get to see the Toronto Maple Leafs back in action. Uh, still, the, there's a residual off that, that stink Saturday night uh, against Columbus. We got a ton to get into, so we'll continue to tap dance around the Toronto Maple Leafs until we get another hockey game. Has anything happened in a month for this team? Uh, no, not really. Oh, get some hockey Thus, going, man. Uh, the tap dance. So plenty to get into. Uh, a terrific show uh, coming up. We've got uh, Mike Fuda. There it is. Former NHL executive who's just... Uh, I don't know, maybe three or four months ago. It's like he's been shot out of a broadcasting cannon. I know. We should really have him in studio. The man cannot live too far from here, does he? I I totally agree. But we'll get his thoughts uh, as a former executive, maybe one day soon again. But in the meantime, we'll pick his brain around this time of year because it is an interesting time. Uh, Closing in on two weeks before the trade deadline. Uh, A lot uh, lot of articles especially when it comes to the insiders, the consistent push on the what-ifs and the hypotheticals. And uh, is there a sense that, like, the hype does not match the reality? I think that's pretty typical of any market here in Toronto, the the sheer volume of hype. You know, it's not like any one person says anything all that inflammatory. It's, you know, death by a thousand cuts. Everyone has something to say. Well, we got Mike McKenna as well that'll uh, join us a little after uh, 40 minutes from now. Uh, terrific job on daily face-off. Does a great job with the goaltenders. Yes. We'll get a, a feel for him. And where, uh, as far as the Toronto Maple Leafs are concerned, where's uh, Joseph Wall in all of this with under 30 games to go? I don't know. You have a thought on that? Well, I don't, to be <laughs> honest with you. <laughs> me, I'm, either, me either. That's, I know what you mean. kind of baffled on... Uh, where the Toronto Maple Leafs stand on who's second in command here. Are they going to thrust Matt Murray in there? And that's if he can get healthy. If not, do you go as early as the weekend back to Joseph Wall? It's just going on so long with Murray, like the tweak and, you know, you run out of hockey at some point and you just can't trust him, so... Ian Mendez will join us in the second hour, senior writer for The Athletic. He's based in Ottawa. Of course, uh, lots of talk. I think Bruce Garriott uh, came out with an article that uh, linked Ryan Reynolds to a uh, development group, uh, Remington, if I'm not Mm -hmm. uh, mistaken. And what does that do to the perception out there? Uh, 
does a Ryan Reynolds, uh, whoever Ryan Reynolds uh, aligns himself with, automatically become the favorite here? I, you know, I think so. I mean, I'm excited to have Mendes for that reason, but Bettman yeah. has outwardly stated we would like to have Ryan involved. Yeah. I got my thoughts on that. I, I'll save it uh, later on in the show. Oh, I can't wait. You better not say anything other than pro Ryan Reynolds or the world will come for you. We've got uh, Alex Ovechkin news as he's heading back to Russia. What does that mean to the Washington Capitals? Some rumblings about Pat Kane out there. As we talked earlier, Vancouver laid an egg the other night. Oh, boy. Detroit Red Wings beat him up 6-1. Calgary Flames with a uh, horrible overtime loss to Ottawa. So there's, there's plenty to get into. But before we go into all of that... Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> Thanks, Kipper. Did you get me a card? I, I did not. I me either, sorry. Uh, I think I officially uh, quit doing that in grade five. Did you get your wife a card, a Valentine, a Listen, flower, or anything? Every day's Valentine's Day. <laughs> Married to Nick Kiprios? Yeah. <laughs> I gave her an amazing shout-out th- uh, today on uh, with Justin and Ailish on the morning show. Did you? Okay. I did. I did. Told her I love her very much. It's very nice. How about you? Are no. you a, a mushy guy? Uh, we don't we don't acknowledge holidays. Period. Really. <laughs> Honestly, we don't. It's like you know. Is that because you forget? Well, sometimes, but also like if you want a gift at this in June or something, go ahead and just. Why am I forcing it now? We we have an understanding. All we right. Do flowers. Let's bring in the uh, the rest of the uh, romantic uh, uh, members of the Real Kipper and Born show. Uh, Derek Brandale, Jen Rolnick, and the most romantic of them all, Sammy McKee. He, he did get his, huh. his fiance a card. Sounding better today, boys, or worse? Oh, better. Oh, much better. Better? better? Oh, okay, wow. good, good, good. Uh, powering through. Yeah, I am a romantic guy, and I would love to give my wife a shout out for doing that today. Yep, go for it. I love Allie very much, and I'm really happy she married me. Yeah, so that's that's really wonderful. He has uh, yeah. a nice card in his yeah. bag that I, I saw, which is very I'll touching. Give flowers. Yeah. We're going for dinner. I've not. Time, so. Have I met? I have not met Ali yet. No, but I'm clearly, Ali, if you're way. listening, uh, Sammy overachieved. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. I'll kick the coverage. Punching way above his <laughs> weight class, no doubt. So there's also something that happened today. I don't know if you heard or not. Um, <laughs> Mr. Car Wash himself, Justin Bourne, his book came out today. Yes. Hey! Aligned with February 14th, Valentine's Day, uh, you officially launch your book, Down and Back. We have yeah. a, uh, a close-up of it right now. Nice work, Jen. Got the uh, full shot there. Terrific. Congratulations. And uh, just must be a, a great feeling. And as someone that has been through it. Yeah. It is a wonderful feeling, but let's get your thoughts on it. Yeah, it's a lot of build-up and work, isn't it? Like to to get to the actual day when it comes out, I will say that when um, I talked to Penguin initially about doing the book, I guess I didn't understand that they were going to treat me like a real author and like to see it in Indigo at the Eaton Center on the shelves yes. by like Prince Harry's book and Oprah's book. Yes. <laughs> you know, or sorry, Michelle Obama and you know whoever else has a, a book right now. It's like they're treating me like a real author yes. and it's an absolute mind blowing feeling. I'm very proud. One of those things that, like, it's not like I just won a championships a championship here, but I do want to say it takes a team. You know, like, my wife watched our kids every Sunday for, yeah. like, I don't know, five months so I could go find time and write, um, you know, my family to 
the, the family support was there to make it possible. So I'm proud for a lot of people who helped. And I, the way I look at that book is that even if it doesn't sell whatever, I, it will have been a success for me. Um, a, it's an accomplishment to do it. But, you know, I've reached, I've talked to so many people who have been affected by alcoholism since and deal with those struggles and deal with alcoholism in their family, maybe their parents or maybe, um, you know, children in some cases. So that's been a win. And, you know, I, I, it's, we're raising money for Renaissance Foundation, you know, where I went to rehab. Like a lot of good things are going to come from it, even if it's not a, a bestseller, though. Fingers crossed. No, it'll, it'll be terrific. And it's something that uh, everyone can relate to. Uh, you don't, uh, the life lessons in there um, are go far beyond just connecting with uh, people in struggles. I yeah. mean, there's, I have not got a copy yet. We got that for you. It's coming, it's I, I know here. it's coming, yeah. and I'll <laughs> gladly buy it. Yes, go yes. to Indigo, go to Chapters, yeah. uh, get your down and back book uh, because uh, there's there's an amazing life lesson in there. Um, and whether you struggle or you don't struggle, uh, anyone can relate to these stories. For sure, yeah, for sure. I'm like I said, it's uh, it's a proud day to say the least. So appreciate you uh, letting me give a little plug here and. It's been a fun day, and thanks to Sportsnet, too, because they put me on basically everything they can to promote it. So. Beside uh, Prince Harry's book, eh? Probably be a little less uh, detail on this one than it, the Prince Harry's. I do not <laughs> reference my nether regions in the book, which is good. You'll be pleased to know there's none of that. Yeah, you're not bringing down a monocry, are you? <laughs> yeah, you're, no. not, you're not stamp, uh, stomping on a crown, are you, in this no. book? No, I imagine that one might move a couple more copies. But on the other hand, I think his advance might have been more than mine, just a uh, guess. A couple extra bucks, probably. So uh, I think it's a decent trade-off. Well, Congra- all the best. Congratulations, yeah, all, yeah, Congratulations. Yeah. All the best to you nice, uh, uh, moving forward with your book and it's down and back justin Bourne's story uh please pick up a copy and uh and get your reading in now speaking of valentine's day uh we had a toronto maple leaf gala last night yes you guys had a romantic date we did we did my wife could not make it uh i had sammy step in and this Uh, was a full affair like the players were there the alumni were there full uh Attendance by the Toronto Maple Leafs, and to be, uh, you know, I've done many of these. I really enjoyed uh, last night's. I thought it was uh, clean, simple, in terms of uh, you know. Listen, every cause is fantastic, yeah. But we don't need the forty-minute speeches, right? They did a terrific job from Brendan Shanahan starting this thing. Um, uh, uh, Eris, a friend of mine who does the Maple Leaf uh, uh, MLSE Foundation. Mm. Again, a couple minutes. They kept it moving. Yeah. Christine Simpson hosted. What a pro she is. Fantastic. And then they, they did a couple of things. Um, Sammy, what was the first one? It was a, a, a Hollywood readings where yeah, they, they took a scene. A table of, read. A table reading yeah. where they took uh, the scene out of a movie. I can't believe they did that. And they had the players reread them yeah he was telling me that yeah. like uh marner and tavares did like a scene from the notebook or something the notebook. you guys think i'm joking at home that really no. happened and, yes and to be honest as you know john tavares's reputation <laughs> yeah i was kind of like i looked at kipper i was like oh jesus yeah, this like, is gonna be boring yeah. i was like this is gonna be brutal and he was the most passionate i've ever <laughs> seen good. by far yeah like he actually like, I mean, it was he like there was this actor uh but, waiting to break out out of john <laughs> yeah. tavares okay so here's just the only question i have about that is why why? Because <laughs> Why life is very stressful, and you need to uh, 
Add some levity to yeah, it. Yeah, you know, I said That's this, why. Okay, great. I said to McKee the other day, like, the Islanders in 82 had, like, a talent show. Tonelli wins. He dresses up like Elvis. Clark sings the gambler. They do the whole thing. And I was like, can you imagine that happening today? But, like, it happened. Some version of that happened with you guys last night. Didn't you say they played Jeopardy? Yeah. Yeah, they played Jeopardy. Fridge was the host. So... You know, we're at a table, and they're like, oh, Elliot Friedman's here. Is he going to give us some inside information? And I'm like, uh, uh, no. It's going to be the most opposite of Elliot Friedman you'll ever see your whole life. And he hosted the uh, the Jeopardy game. He strikes me as a guy who could host Jeopardy. I'm glad you... <laughs> I'm glad you weren't there because uh, the answer is no, he can't. He can't. No. So it was Willie Nylander, Wayne Simmons. And Morgan Riley. And Morgan Riley. Mm-hmm. So and, and they played. Just a guess. Morgan dusted them. Well, um, <laughs> uh, no. No, they uh, did not. And, you know, Elliot went through the whole shtick. It was like watching Jeopardy. Yeah. You know, the only thing missing was. Uh, the category I'll take broadcasting killing uh, uh, decisions, you know, uh, for 400. And what is Elliot hosting Jeopardy? That's That should have been a category. But Elliot actually muscled through it. Good. And powered, powered his way through. The final score in Jeopardy from all three of them was Willie Nylander, zero. Wayne Simmons, zero. And Morgan Riley, zero. No. They gave us 20 minutes to get through this thing where all of them ended up zero. <laughs> and, and the only thing our table thought is like, I hope this is an, an omen to uh, how the, the rest of the season plays out. Listen, Jeopardy's hard, and you don't want to not guess if you don't know. So I'm sure they took some stabs as ones they didn't really know. Oh, they, they went into Final Jeopardy, and Morgan Riley had the most. Yeah, okay. And then they all gambled all their money, and all of them were wrong. Okay. So they all ended up with zero. Yeah. You got you to gotta give a, a soft yes. Final Jeopardy and, question. And it was very soft. It was, what's the number one selling concession food? And not what? Do you, what would you think? Jeez, I got I, French fries. Oh my god! Oh, it's the you're easiest zero one two. ever. It's popcorn. Okay, obviously they're they're not as dumb as I thought. Then if Wait, you is popcorn if, that obvious an answer oh, for popcorn? a hockey game? God, it's course. all over the place every night. It's all over the place. I that's the first thing I get when I go to a hockey game. It's popcorn. Yeah, me the too. Ima- I guess of, I should answer that. The amount of popcorn I used to eat in the press box was disgusting. Like, I'd go through two bags every time. And that's like, if you look at the caloric details. Oh, the egg, it ain't pretty. It ain't pretty. But yeah. And they, I think both of them, two of them guessed hot dogs and Morgan Riley guessed pizza. I'm They're really upset I, in not seeing popcorn. So yeah. I, I have some yeah. sympathy now. There you go. Yeah. So uh, overall, I think uh, a good night for uh, a lot of people. Again, bringing a... Everybody down to earth a little bit on yeah. uh, feeling like, uh, you know, what we do for a living is like close to curing cancer. It's I not. Know. No, have we had <laughs> so, enough of a break? Unfortunately, you guys had this bit of levity. We had the yes. All Star break. We had a bye week. We yes. had a week with one game. Can we hockey again? We can. They're, they're not hockeying a lot no. next week. Got to probably wait. What uh, one game next week too? Tuesday a, night. Under thirty hours, we'll get the hockey thing going again. In the meantime, uh, the Leafs back at practice again. Teeing up their their matchup against the Chicago Blackhawks. Austin Matthews in a regular spot. Would you sit him out one more and and go to the weekend, or are you quite comfortable with Austin Matthews in? 
you know, without knowing the details of his injury, I guess if he's fine, he's fine. Like, let's get let's get him back playing, get him going. Here all day, I guess. Because he can. Okay. Let's see what Sheldon uh, Keefe has to say on all Matthews right. uh, today. I thought he looked good uh, in terms of the outlook. We'll just, you know, today's practice was an important one in terms of getting him proper reps and non-contact jersey and all of that. Yeah, there hasn't been an, uh, a ton of practice time with the team, but he has skated quite a bit. So we'll see how he is in the morning and, you know, look to, to get word from the medical team in terms of his final status. But, you know, I think his intent to coming into practice today was, was to feel good and be ready to play tomorrow. But that, that determina- determination won't be made till tomorrow. Skated with uh, Willie and Michael Bunting. So it's go ahead. No, so if they're just they're just saying that, just that's just procedure. That's how they handle it. But if there's any like chance that it's not right, why the hell would he like? Like right. if it's either, yep, he's playing tomorrow. He's in the game. He's ready to go. If it's like, ah, we'll see how he feels in the morning. Like maybe just wait till Saturday. You know what? That's a great point. Like, if what you're are we not doing sure here? if you need day of clearance. Hold on, time t- t- time out, time out. Yeah. yeah. Did we not just, and still are shaking our heads at Matt Murray? Yeah. So, what, like, why would we think it's just a foregone conclusion? Because we assume that they would learn. <laughs> right? Like, you know, you take that as education. You're playing one of the worst teams in the league. Yeah. At home. Like, you know, maybe maybe just pump the brakes a little yeah, bit here. We're talking in case about he's... in the matter of hours, he yes. happens to feel good this day. Maybe let's punt it down the road. But this is also just their sort of protocol, the way they handle all these injuries. They always kind of talk about this before, I the know. Night before, but it's like, which it's annoying. Which goes back to that whole Matt Murray, which is so unlike the Toronto Maple Leafs mm-hmm. to kind of leave themselves out there with like, what's going on here? He's playing. He's not playing. He doesn't want to play. He can't play. That's the strange one. Yeah. It is. It just fell out of that pattern that you're talking about, about how yeah. it's so structured, how there's protocol and we got to go through the proper channels and to, to make sure everything's okay. And it sounds like that's what they're doing. Yeah, it, it does. It just, it feels to me like there's too many cooks. You know what I mean? Like there's so many approval process, checks, balances, whatever. Like, I don't know. This is simplistic or whatever, but like, yeah, go talk to the guy. You good? Okay. You're not. All right. We'll take another day. It's just, it's the Blackhawks, so not not rushing thing. I do want to say, though, looking at their lineup, it is so evident to me how all four of the four have to be healthy for them to look like a threat. Because when he's there, all of a sudden the third line is Engvall, Kampf, and Yarncroft. It's a good line. It's a good third line. When he's not there, it gets so thin so quick. It's just so essential. The whole plan balances on the health of those four individuals. Wow. That's it. One guy's hurt, it falls apart. We saw it in Montreal with Tavares. And, and Tavares cannot shoulder that responsibility to to carry the offense at the center ice position. Yeah, that's true. That's that's the other issue. It's it's not only can Camp who what did we say twenty five goals or twenty five games without a goal? Yeah, twenty five games have four goals on the year. So you're right. Without Matthews at center, you've got Tavares who's a point per game. You're done. Camp, Holmberg, right? Kerfoot, yeah. yeah. So that's that's maybe why you are kind of no. Let's not wait the weekend for for Matthews. We don't have the luxury to go into another game with John Tavares and uh, who's our second line centerman? When he's it, I guess it's David Camp or Kerfoot. Yeah, Kerfoot, sure. Yeah, yeah. whoever. They, it's not and who else. 
Yeah, and it's just not pretty. That's yeah. it's not pretty. It's not pretty. We got uh, Mike Fuda is going to join us uh, in the next minute or two. Uh, wow. Before we get to him, quick twenty. We we kind of discussed a little bit what we didn't like about Saturday night's game, and I did mention that uh, didn't like Hall's game at all. Is it is it about Hall coming out after a subpar performance? Saturday night. He will not be in the lineup tomorrow night. We'll see mm. uh, Connor Timmons in. Is it just getting Timmons in, or is there a subtle message to Justin Hall on the decision to make him a healthy scratch tomorrow night? Do you want to hear Sheldon on this? Let's go to yes, Sheldon, and okay. then we'll go to Mike Fuda, right. and, and then we'll get your thoughts. How's Hall, that? On Hall out for Timmons. I've okay. been wanting to get Timmons in, and, and it becomes harder to do when we're healthy on the back. Um, that he's done a good job for us, and obviously he hasn't played in you know between the break and just us being healthy. He hasn't gotten in, but we've liked what he's done. He's done. He's put lots of good work in off the ice. So you want to keep him involved and in the mix. And, and but it's competition and in that mix. You got to try to find guys to to move in and out of the lineup. And and you know. Uh, for me, I think there's. You know, I've talked to Justin at different times, and I felt this his game at times has been tremendous, and has helped us through some real tough times with injuries. And he's been a real constant for us on defense in terms of his contributions. But at times, it's also slipped. And, and to me, the other night was one of those nights. And when you're looking to get a young guy like Timmons in, and you want to keep him going, you're looking for someone to take out. So, don't give me a reason. Okay, that, that's a lot. Don't give me a reason. Right? He's He said a lot there. A lot more than yesterday's clips. Yeah, he's back. <laughs> yeah. Sheldon's back. Yeah. He had a good meal last night. Yeah. A few chuckles. He's sleep. back. Yeah. But that's, you, you got you got all of it there. He wants to get Timmons in. They're all healthy. But I didn't like his game Saturday night. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a big thing. I can see for sure. Like, Timmons had played very well for the Leafs for quite a while. I understand them wanting to get him in. Someone's got to come out. Bing, bang, boom. All right. Do we have Mike Fuda? Uh, healthy Mike Fuda. Uh, we assume the ribs are in fantastic shape. Oh, like, Jake, just off the charts. <laughs> <laughs> off the charts. Uh, broken ribs from, um, what were you doing? You were uh, vacuuming? <laughs> uh, the story's changed to numerous occasions. I'm sticking with the self shoveling in the driveway. Okay, we're, we're sticking with the shoveling. Okay, no problem at all. Well, listen, we're, we're glad you're healthy. We're glad you're on the show. And uh, we were just uh, discussing the fact that uh, Justin's Hall, uh, Justin Hall will be a healthy scratch tomorrow night. And, you know, for the most part, Futes, this is a guy that has been uh, a, played like a top four defenseman. The minutes will prove it, and yet I'm out of the lineup here, and you're treating me like a fifth, sixth, or seventh defenseman. Would would there be a part of Justin Hall going, hold on for a second, come on, me, really? You know, (laughs) well, here's a couple things on that. Obviously, there's a relationship. Sheldon loves the kid. He probably played his best hockey when the big boys were out injured. Um, he, he's easy to pick on for the big air, but I mean, his teammates love him. And I think it's probably just a chance to get Timmons in the line and somebody's got to come out. Yeah. It's pretty, uh, pretty simple sometimes, isn't it? And Justin Hall, uh, you know, not, not, 
he's beloved here, but not you know he's still the kind of a bottom end guy for them. I think you know Futes they're they're heading towards this deadline, this trade deadline, um, and this is where a lot of the work gets done by GMs and AGMs and all the other different roles trying to piece together what's going to happen. What would the process be like right now for the Toronto Maple Leafs of shopping um, in terms of trying to find exactly it is what they need? Well, I'm sure they've been working at it for months. I mean, they clearly want to add to their top forward. They, I believe they should be adding to their defense. Um, but, I think they're obviously the cap situation. I was talking to Kipper the other night when we went by each other. I just think they have to find out what they get back with knees in the equation. It's uh, it's a too much of a important uh, season for them to not put this kid out there. Like I look at hear about the whole stuff about Chicker, and um, I would look Lawson Kraus is a guy that really intrigues me, and now. This is if Arizona seems to have everybody available. I don't know if they've decided one or two guys are going to stick around through the rebuild, rebuild, rebuild. But there's a guy that's 6'4", 220 pounds, can play in your second line. He's got, I think he got 19 or 20 goals. He does have a physical element. And uh, I think he'd help anybody. And then you're, if you're giving up an asset, you're not getting a rental player back. And I don't see how they can make – we, we were debating this the other night. I don't think – they can make Meyer work um, and still re-sign Willie. And I guess you said you can punt it to the summer, but you're going to lose one of your core four in order to keep that guy. When it comes to the is, – is the right term for the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, in, in this year, uh, limited uh, assets, uh, first-rounders, Matthew Nyes is is the prize possession here for the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's is it can't be a foregone conclusion that they'll that Kyle's got a green light or MLSC's not watching carefully here on how much they spend between now and March third. Or or do you just feel like everybody has to collectively be in on whatever it takes for this season? The Jake Muzzin money has got to get spent to make this team better if Jake is not coming back. Bar none. I mean, there's, everybody says they have a window that's open for, you know, four or five years, but that's until you've got Austin Matthews on the contract, Nylander's re-signed. You've really sorted out your goal team situation. The, the window is right now. And uh, I don't see if you can get a player that's going to make this team better that has term and you have contractual control over them, knees has got to be in play. And I think they've kind of, whether they meant to or not with the injury, Robertson's value has kind of been devalued. Uh, so it's not, they're not going to get be able to sell him as the scorer or the up-and-coring scummer because he couldn't get in the lineup, and when he did, he suffered a tough injury. So it'll be interesting, but... This whole goaltending situation I was driving in, heard you guys talk about it as well. It's you're you're way, hanging a lot on Samsonov. You've got the oft injured Matt Murray, which is basically par for the course. It's unfortunate, but there's a lot of question marks going into the playoffs and the only thing that matters is how do you stack up against the Tampa Bay Lightning and how do you get home ice against Tampa Tampa Bay? Do you uh, do you think Timo Meyer is a good enough player to to make the difference worth pursuing? Is he you know you hear his name paired to the Leafs? Is this the 
the the dog they should want to bring into their kennel here? I love him. Absolutely. He brings a lot of aspects that they need. He's a gritty player. He's a tough player. He's obviously got great touch around the net. But I truly believe that the Carolina Hurricanes hold the keys to that car if they want it. I mean, and they're a great team already. I obviously, where I worked with them last year, I know Roddy Brindamore has this team cooking on their A game all along. They've got, and it's obviously unfortunate injuries pack already, but they lost, they've got $10 million in cash fees right now. Next year, Jordan Stahl goes from $6 million to the hometown discount a la Mark Giordano. You've got uh, Pacioretty coming off. You've got Freddie Anderson coming off, Ranta coming off. You've got oodles of dough, plus you've got Kachiev, Pierre, or whatever you pronounce it, coming up. And I think Roddy Brindamore would be happy if Pierre Kachikov started the playoffs this year. That's how much he likes him, and that's confidence in him. So you've got a whack of dough and a whack of cap space, and you've got the cap space to, if you acquire a player like Meyer, that you can sign him without question. And if ever a team has a window, and, you know, and obviously there's this tax situation in Carolina, they play hockey the right way. Uh, he's not a rental. Tom Dundon is a complete competitive guy that wants to win, but his MO is he really doesn't want to give up a lot of assets for a rental. So this is the kind of player for me that's a perfect fit. Is is there a danger of Futes that he will go to Carolina as a rental, but uh, there's not a chance that I'm re-signing there long-term, therefore I will force you to pay my qualifying offer or let, watch me walk out the door for nothing. I mean, there's a, the thought that you could trade him for sure, but maybe this guy yeah, wants to control his own destiny. Is there, is there a is there a chance that a team will get caught here? Uh, I don't think it'll be Carolina. I just think once a player gets there and you meet Rod Brindamore and the atmosphere there, especially if you've got a family, not too many people want to believe they're on their own. It's a, it's a very good place. And especially their, their window to be good is like, they still got Pesci and Slavin under, under credible contracts for three more years. So and, I mean, Ahu, I think, has two left. I mean, they've got Nekish on a nice little uh, bridge deal. Uh, I know a couple people have said that Jarvis is somebody they would move for a big piece. I would be shocked. I believe Roddy Brandon has his picture in his wallet. He's probably one of his favorite players of all time. Yeah. No, there's a, there's a, certainly a, a ton of talent there. You can understand why people would want to stay you know, when hunting for specific names out there, is there anyone feuds who you think that makes more sense for Leafs? And, and I am thinking depth guys. There's Was there Lafferty or Barbashev? Or is there any other names that you see that, boy, that'd be a nice fit? Boone's runner is a name that was talked about the other day. Just a guy that's, he's got an incredible work ethic. Uh, he's a captain. He's a, a local kid who just would, dream of pulling on the Toronto jersey and I think he would bring it an added dimension of speed and penalty kill and tenacity your bottom six um, I, I I would love Josh Anderson um, that's the type of player that if I was I, again if, if somebody wanted to bring up my top prospect and my first round pick and I obviously it's not easy for the Toronto Maple Leafs in the months without made it to make a trade but that's the kind of player that I think 
solves all the Leafs problems up front or holes. Just backs everybody up a little bit, a little bit more depth, a little more energy production. And I think you're going to be able to find a guy in the back end. Like, I mean, there's a lot of talk about, about Shen. I don't think the big fish is out there for them uh, salary-wise, salary, salary wise, and I don't think they're going to blow it up to get a rental player. Um, but I just think there's players like that that have got a little Stanley Cup pedigree that can help you right shot, can kill penalties, and again, he's not, not going to be uh, worried in the Toronto market. Boots, we still got uh, a little over two weeks to go, so we're going to lean on you a lot on the show uh, the rest of the way uh, as we get towards March 3rd. Hey, thanks for doing this for us, pal. We really appreciate it. Okay. Two quick things, Kipper. Yeah. Borny, congratulations on your book, buddy. That's thanks, just Fuse. an incredible accomplishment. I'm glad I got a chance to talk to you on the day it was released. And Kipper, if you can talk to your lawyer about getting me back into that place that I'm barred for life. Because <laughs> <laughs> I walked in to give you a hug. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay. I'm working on it. <laughs> thanks, thanks All right, pal. Take okay, care. Take care. Bye-bye. Uh, that's a little bit of an inside uh, uh, moment for us at uh, the hockey game. All Maybe right. a couple of weeks ago, I was in one of those areas where it's kind of hard to get in. Yeah. And, Share club? Uh, <laughs> no names to protect. <laughs> There's an unnamed club pr- that's to, above to protect that. the identity <laughs> of a few people. And I'm like, hey, Butte, come on in. Come yeah. on in. And uh, Swarmed. <laughs> apparently uh, wasn't, uh, yeah, maybe right of me to, to say that. But I had also thought that uh, someone that, that had the authority uh, okayed it. And, uh, Man, these are, t- these are tight places. I'm, I'm not saying that he was handcuffed and let out of the the room, but uh, yeah, it's very. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so he's like, uh, could you put a good word in for me? I'm like, Feud, you're Mike Feud, a Stanley Cup champion, man. Yeah. You don't need me. That's funny. No, nah, I'm just, and uh, there's a very strong exaggeration on yes, that story from my part. So I just. <laughs> Just having a little bit of fun here. I uh, I saw when I mentioned the name to Mike Fuda, I saw you write down Lafferty on well, your paper. You know, when it comes to those type of names and, and Barbashev, and I, I'm I'm not discounting them on how they can influence a lineup, but I just look at this trade deadline, and there is just one guy for me. That is a true needle mover. Oh boy! And that's Timo Meyer. Like, yeah, that's that is the prize out there. And and we just heard Futes talking about some teams that could make that work. Mm-hmm. That we we've seen so many big names in the NBA already. Yeah, and I'm not disrespecting. Uh, Pat Kane or Jonathan Taves or any of that. Those are big names. Yeah, but he's but, a, he's a current prime. We we don't know like and truly like if Pat Kane did get moved, you're not sure of what Pat Kane you will get. Yeah, I agree with that. And Taves is another guy. It's going to be if I'm not mistaken 35 years old and there's there's a lot of wear and tear there. Mm-hmm. He's not healthy either. So, outside of of Timo, man, it it's limited on what you can. I know you, there's you huge names, but it's like, how do you know what you're going to get at this point? Yeah, I know. So, but Timo Meyer is 
He's a good player. He's legit 30, 40 goal scorer. He's got tremendous upside for a long time. He would he would command a lot here. He would. You know, it's funny because, you know, obviously there's a Toronto market, a lot of noise. The big names are in play. So this one has come up quite a bit lately um, at a rival network today. Um, you know, there was mention of like Pat Kane picking a yeah. few destinations that he would actually go to and Toronto being one of the two. Um, you know, if that be- becomes available and you can't get Meyer, what do you think a, the acquisition cost on Pat Kane would be for the Leafs? Well, like it's not Matthew Nye. Once you're dealing into a, a no movement situation, and I, I think the prime example was Claude Giroux yeah. leaving the Philadelphia Flyers, and they had and, Owen Tippett in a couple seconds and, or something, and going to uh, to Florida. Yeah, and yeah, you're exactly right. So there's just if if in fact Pat Kane says okay. New York's off the market. I'll only go to Toronto. And you've got a young, inexperienced general manager in Davidson who is staring down arguably the uh, best player in franchise history, two of them, yep. in Taves and Kane. You want to be the guy to tell them uh, I'm holding out for this, the seventh-round pick. But, you know, the best thing he could do is that. The best thing he could do is at the start of his GM career, say all the Leafs were going to give me was a third for Pat Kane. And I'd just rather not disrespect Pat Kane like that so I didn't trade him. I don't want your stinking third. But if Pat's coming back to you and say, I really want you to make this work. Yeah. and If you don't get me to a contender, yeah. I'm going to... Wow, well, yeah. listen, I, it, it, you, you ruined my last two years. You got rid of this guy, this guy, this guy. I've been the good soldier. You gave soldier. me a crap sandwich for a year and a half. I've bit my tongue. I've played good veteran. I want to go to Toronto, make it happen. <laughs> you're you're Kyle Davidson if he now. Stand up to that and dig in. Don't you think that would go miles for his own career? I, or would it I, bury I, him in Chicago? I get what you're saying, but yeah. you got to live with the the fact that you screwed Pat Kane over. Yeah, and that's not an easy thing to do. And and think you're going to stay. A long time in Chicago. So funny because Pat Kane right? had Panarin, boom, success. He had Dabrinkit, boom, success. And now yeah. they're like, do it with. And this is the way it works for us, right? We we watch. Yeah. And it's like, well, if if you treated Pat Kane like that and he's won three Stanley Cups yeah. and he's like what sold a million jersey, what, what, what happens when it's my turn yeah. and, you're, and, and I'm at the end of the year and yeah. you don't get that seventh round pick and, yeah. right? People yeah. watch. I want to be associated with Davidson as a general manager when he, he didn't help Pat Kane out after all these years. It's so funny, though, because Pat Kane is like, I understand he's a left winger and the Leafs could use a left winger, but like not what they need, right? When we talk about... Well, he's Sammy... Play, he's playing on the right side with Tyler Johnson and Jason Dickinson. Sammy. Woof. Yes. When, when you think about the needs of the Leafs, mm-hmm. does... A Pat Kane and his style of play, and maybe he is uh, small, skilly. Maybe he gets his level back up to Pat Kane like. But is that the first thing you say that the Leafs really need is a a, a, a super skilled five ten five eleven player? On one hand, no, but on the other hand, yes. You know, I wouldn't mind having a guy that scored 
multiple massive goals in multiple big games, having a guy out there that's with Matthews, like a guy that knows what it's like to play in big situations. Like how many times over the last five years have the big guys gone silent in the biggest games ever? But this is why I'm okay with Pat Kane in theory did he, if he didn't cost them $5.75 million or whatever the, it's going to be after retention and whatever. Like if he was a guy that you could get cheap and low acquisition cost, maybe you could say, yeah, yeah I can see how that helps. But it's going to cost you that cap space and it's going to cost you some asset. And anything... Over $10 million in all probability, and, and Timo Meyer's the same thing. Uh, Eric Carlson's the same thing, is that even if you get a team to bite on uh, a percentage, are they really willing to go all the way with 50%? Yeah. And in, most often, you're going to have to invite a third team you got to check them mix. a fourth to take on two million so maybe more yeah maybe you hold the team hostage for for that 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 holding pattern that i can't make a deal without you well that's a third round pick i'm sorry but yeah. that's what i want and now you're doing all this cap gymnastics another pick we're talking about and it's a guy you're not sure if he's healthy if he's gonna move the needle if he even checks the box of what you need in terms of a Physical yeah. guy who, yeah. you know, like yeah. I, I understand what packing can do. He'll, he'll be involved in some goals for sure, both ways. Like the other thing too is you got to trust the ability. Pat Kane playing, playing with Matthews, one of the best defensive forwards in the league. Like I'm, I mean, he's not playing with Jason Dickinson here. Yeah, yeah. but you're already talking but about listen, covering up from a guy you're acquiring. The other part too is we got to go. By the way, yeah, we'll get going. Uh, yeah. We got lots of time out here. All right. Now, I want to pick up this Pat Kane conversation and and what that could look like for the Toronto Maple Leafs if, in fact, he's in the lineup. So, uh, plenty more still there. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. Mike McKenna, Daily Faceoff Hockey Analyst, uh, great friend of the show, will break down what the Leafs goaltending situation will look like uh, because uh, I I think it's official. We've got a three-headed monster from here on in for the Toronto Maple Leafs in net. Mike McKenna after the break. Boy, okay. Real Kipper and Born. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with Ailish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Still a lot of meat on the bone on conversations, including finishing one uh, on Pat Kane and yes. what his look will be potentially on a Toronto Maple Leaf hockey club. We've got Mike McKenna coming in to talk about uh, the goaltending situation. And uh, yeah, he, uh, right from the get-go, Mike never wavered from the start of the season, and he's been on pretty regularly. Let's bring in Mike McKenna from the Daily Faceoff. Does a terrific job as, a, as an analyst for them. Mike, I was just uh, talking to Justin and, and mentioning that you never wavered, that you always had your concerns about uh, uh, Samsonov, Matt Murray situation. Just want to get your thoughts on a little bit of that craziness uh, prior to the All-Star game where he was scheduled to uh, play against the Ottawa Senators, had this uh, ankle situation, ended up backing up, and then uh, and then going on the IR. So, before we get into what the future looks like, just just uh, talk to us about uh, maybe how bizarre you found that situation. Yeah, I mean, it just, to me, seemed like it was a player who really, really wanted to not let 
his past history, get out ahead of him again of being injured all the time. And he's probably, Matt Murray is probably trying to absolutely fight through every ounce of that that he could before realizing this is just not going to work. I can't do this. So um, is it surprising? No, not a bit. I mean, Murray at this stage of the game has done pretty much everything he can to try to stay healthy, bulked up. I don't know what you guys see him in Toronto. I think he put on 20 something pounds worth of muscle and size. Cause that was always the knack, the knack knock on him in Pittsburgh was, Oh, look how he's built tiny, not very strong. Well, he gets bigger and stronger and he still gets hurt. So it was odd to say the least. Um, but I think if there's any, you know, kind of silver lining to this, it's that Joseph Wall been playing pretty well in the American league. Uh, he was an AHL all-star and now he's going to probably get some reps up of the big club here to audition for the future. Uh, Mike, what would you know, know about AHL goalies who have great success and come up and get shots in the NHL? I mean, who are you to weigh on any of this? Well, not very good because I didn't get many shots in the NHL. Uh, no, so what would it be like for no. Wall then, man? Like, you know, what, what would he be walking into trying to be? What's his mindset? Does he have a chance to be the backup going into playoffs? Um, I, I mean, I think there's a chance of that. Like, And, and full disclosure here, okay, I – Coach Joseph Wool in St. Louis, Missouri, from the time he was probably 10 years old until he left town at, I guess, 17, 16 or 17 with the U.S. National Development wow, Team. Wow, that's interesting. You're a team guy then. And I got to tell you, this kid at 10 or 11 years old was so far head and shoulders above the rest of the of goaltenders in the area, even by the time he was 13, 14, 15. Now, that doesn't project to him being an NHL starter by any means. You have to keep going and progressing. But he went to the development program. He did great there. He went to B.C., he did great in the NCAAs. But the problem is that he, too, like Murray, has been hurt quite often in the past couple of years in pro. And he's never really been able to grab that role with the Marlies, even after the first year that went. Uh, the first year, we didn't go very well for him. And after that, he's played well but not been healthy. So he's a kid who has an incredible work ethic. He's very intelligent on the ice. Um, he's very dedicated to his craft and his movements and his mechanics and his skating routes and all those things. And bottom line, he can stop pucks. So could he really be a number two towards playoffs? I think. Um, but man, it'd be, it'd be awful tough if you're Kyle Dubas to just roll with Samsonov and wool. If you don't think you're going to get Murray back and not knowing the case on how Murray, how long he'll be out. It's really hard to gauge and judge what that goaltending picture for the Leafs may look like even in the next three hold, weeks. Hold, hold on for a second. Hold on for a second. What you're saying on our show today is the Leafs don't have one injury prone goalie. They've got two what do you mean? They have three. You got Eric Sheldon, too, who's been hurt. Oh, no. Okay. E Bugs, come on in. <laughs> McKenna, you're up next. David Ayers on the line. Oh, it sounds terrible, doesn't it, man? I'm rooting for all of these guys. I want them to be healthy, but it is reality, isn't it? They yeah, have it's... been hurt quite often. Is, is there any time for Kyle Dubas? to eventually listen to you and do something about it? Or is it just you're all in with these three guys and uh, I, 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 I can only hope and pray? I think the hard part is that what are you going to give up for an asset and what are you going to get in return? It's a really soft goalie market out there right now. I mean, the, the one guy that kind of makes sense, if you just need a reliable goalie, steady Eddie, is probably James Reimer. He'd be available, I would think, at a decent price, probably way less than a Cam Talbot. Reimer hasn't had a great year in San Jose. The team's not very good defensively in the first place. But I don't know how much of an upgrade Reimer really would the be. The scars run too Even deep in Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I mean, right? And then you're you're walking into that whole hornet's nest in the first place. So 
you know, judging that market, I think Cam Talbot, if, if you ask me, I think, I think the Senators should trade Cam Talbot and get whatever they can out of him. I don't think he'll be back there next year because he still wants to win Stanley Cups or at least have a chance to do that. He's going to be 36 years old. A team like Pittsburgh or L.A. could really use him. What's left after him? Jonas Corposalo, uh, do we trust him to stay healthy? You know, is he a big upgrade? Maybe you'd have to pay for him too. So I think it's a tight spot for Dubas. And honestly, midway through the year when two goalies were hurt, I thought that adding somebody might make a lot of sense. But with the way Wall has played, I, I think at some point you got to just go with what you have. It's very scary. But allocating assets would be better off served, I think, elsewhere to try to improve that team in Toronto. The strangest thing about talking about goaltenders to me right now, Mike, is like how we struggle to evaluate them. And I understand that you can see the technical side where a lot of us can't, but teams don't seem to have any idea who's going to be a good goaltender from year to year. Why has the position changed in such a way that it feels like that there's inconsistency and like all of a sudden this guy's unbelievable and this guy's terrible. And I don't know, it just feels really tough to pin down. I think we're in a hypercritical world these days, but yeah. a part of that also is that, you know, it used to just be fly by the seat of your pants goaltending. You know, up until 15, 20 years ago, you could kind of do what you wanted out there. That's when goalie coaches started to take over. And really, in the last 10, 15 years, it's become a very optimized game. That's why most of the goalies look pretty similar. But I think it's gone to the next level in the last five years. And the crazy part to me is there's still executives out there. ESPN had a piece today where they ranked the top 10 goalies in the league, and they had John Gibson at nine. And I just went, is anybody watching? Is anybody paying attention to technical goaltending at all when a guy is on his backside 30 times a game and pucks are going through his five hole because he's not recovering, he's not pushing, his legs aren't like an accordion. Like You don't have to be a goalie guy to understand that a goalie is not on their butt or on their chest, and that's a good thing, You know that their whole body's behind the puck, like the Russian goalies that are ki- they're just killing it right now. They have great body control, and they're amazing skaters. And that's the biggest thing for me. Those top guys, the Sorokins, the um, the Shosturkins, the Vasilevskis, the Saroses, they're great skaters. Anybody can learn that, but you need a goalie guy to help guide you. And I tell you what, I got a message the other day from a, a former player that I played against for a long time who's scouting now, and he said, hey, I, I need some help with goalies. What can you do for me here? Please help me um, because I need to be able to write reports on goalies. This guy didn't know anything about goaltending. There's still a ton of that in scouting. There's very few ex-goalies that scout. I have a ton of respect for him for coming to me and asking because he's trying to learn. And I believe everybody can learn. But ultimately, you do need goalies evaluating ex-goalies, and you need modern goalies evaluating today's goaltenders to be able to understand who really is going to be good now and into the future. We're talking to Mike McKenna from the Daily Faceoff, who's our uh, goaltender guru here on the Real Kipper and Bourne Show. So if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, either Sheldon or or Kyle, are are you at the point of the season, Mike, where you want to go up to Samsonov and say, uh, you're the guy right now, we're going to get you ready, we're going to get you groomed, here are the games that we want you to play, or do you just let him believe that he's still in a race no matter how hurt the other guys are? I don't think it needs to be conveyed to him that he is the guy. Um, and I think with Samson, it might actually be a negative to do that. I see, you know, I watched the game against Boston, um, you know, right before the break for the Leafs. And it, to me, it was a classic case of a goalie who was just way too amped up. Like he was so overly aggressive and impatient. And you could tell that in that moment against the best team in the league, he was still thinking he needed to do more. I would be very hesitant with him 
to give him those reins and say, you're a guy, we need you to do this. I just let him keep playing. Because to me, Samsonov is at his best when he lets the game come to him. You look how good he was against Columbus. I know he didn't face as many shots in that game, and he had a shutout in, but like, were they his quality shots against Boston? No. But the game came to him. He wasn't chasing. He wasn't in the white mm. ice. That's when he's at his best. And guess what? It was against a pretty crappy team. That's because he didn't feel the pressure. So um, I, I think this has always been something that is a bit symptomatic of Samsonov's game. When That's, he feels pressure, he tries too hard. He's just got to chill. Just relax. Remember Carey Price in preseason about a decade ago? Yeah. It's preseason. Chill out. Yeah. Kind of a message that's got to go to Samsonov, man. The same type of thing. Like, just relax. It'll be You're fine in Toronto in Game just 7. He'll be position. fine. Sorry to step on you there. That's but... right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, just one well, more thought on Samsonov from, sure. from my end. And I, I want to hear your answer to JB here. Is that, okay, without telling him you're the guy then, You've got 28 games till game one in the playoffs. What would be a, a number that you'd want Samsonov to, to hit to get ready for that if, in fact, he is your guy? Is it uh, well over half of them, uh, yeah. you know, 18? They've got two back-to-backs left. What, what's, the, what's the number that you would focus on Samsonov's? to make sure he's mentally and physically ready here. Yeah, I want, I want to get Mike on that. 18 makes sense to me, but Mike, what do you think? Yeah, I think you're looking 18 to 22 in that range, depending how he's feeling a bit, too. Um, I would want to be every bit of two-thirds of those games, which, you know, when Murray's been healthy, it's been a pretty even rotation between them, but Samsonov has had to carry larger load when he's been out. So I'd want to continue that. I think if you go towards two-thirds of games, you're you're ramping him up a little bit without running him dry in terms of energy, mentally and physically. And I think realistically, let's say Murray's out, you're probably giving Wool a decent chance to play too. Okay, I thought he looked pretty good against Columbus. I don't think he could do much about you know three of those goals that were right and tight in his crease, but I'd like to see him get a little bit more playing time too, and especially thinking with the thought that Murray will be back. Um, I think that would be good. So you give me 20 to 21 games for Samsonov, I'd be pretty happy with it. Mike, I feel like sometimes we paint you into a corner as this goalie guy. I mean, you've been an analyst for you're with Vegas uh, on the, the full state of the game. So I want to take you out of the crease a little bit. We were just talking about Patrick Kane and the potential for him in Toronto, what kind of fit he might have. What do you think of Kane, the player now, how he might work in Toronto? Obviously not the same player, but still still something there with him. Well, I just wonder if that's really the route that the team needs to go. You know, do you need another person on the right side? You know, between yeah. if Nylander's going to be there and you've got plenty of depth on that right side, like I just, I just look at Kane on the Leafs and I go, I don't think that works in terms of the dynamic of their top three lines. Does he make them better? I don't know the answer to that, you know, because I'm, I'm still leery of a player coming from a bad team. I don't care how good they are. I get nervous about a player coming from a bad team and the Hawks have been bad for a while and Kane this year. Has he had as much to work with around him? No, of course not. But I think he's looked a little pedestrian at times and I'm not sure if you can turn it on right away. It'd be a big shot in the arm to be able to play with Matthews or Tavares or Marner or any of those guys. But I just worry about that. And I don't think giving up the assets to acquire him for Toronto would be worth it as much as it would be for a team like, oh, let's say Vegas, who's missing Mark Stone now for probably the rest of the year. That could really use somebody on the right side. If you want to get into bidding war against Vegas, if you're Toronto, <laughs> see you later. You let Vegas spend all that cash and you keep your assets because I don't think Kane would make as big a difference there uh, as potentially somebody that maybe helps shore up the blue line. 
Were you surprised at his response to watching Tarasenko go to the Rangers when apparently he wanted to go there? I, I, I was I was baffled at why the Chicago Blackhawks wouldn't keep him in the loop or or at least have mm. ongoing discussions to say, let's play out a few scenarios here and let's do it together. I was really surprised that first off Kane was just that odd. He just laid all his cards out on the table. Yeah, I was disappointed. I would have liked to have gone there as a place I was thinking about, talking about the New York Rangers. That caught me off guard because very rarely does a player have the chance to say that. Um, but for Kane, I mean, he holds all the cards, right? He's got a full no movement clause. Shouldn't that be a daily discussion? If you're, tr- And he even said, you know, you want to do good by the team that's been so good to me, speaking of the Chicago Blackhawks. Mm-hmm. If that's what you want, there should be daily conversation between Kyle Davidson and Patrick Kane's camp on what's available. What it says to me, I'm not sure the Rangers are that interested in Kane. Really, that's what I think it comes down to. Maybe those negotiations never really went far enough for it to even matter for Kane to be able to consider the Rangers. When you talk about being left without a dance at the prom, that's a tough pill to swallow for a multi-Stanley Cup winner like him, but I think it might have been the reality in this situation. And it really could come down to the fact that Maybe they had a little bit of a, a background check physically. Uh, where is he? Mm-hmm. There's a hip issue. A, it's a heavy truth, though, he's talking about here. If, what, right? if, what if the other team just say we don't want him? Yeah, you know? yeah there's and, various and guys, reasons. I think, salary, I think salary cap, I think the salary hit's a big thing. Like Tarasenko came in. At, by the time you take back half the salary on Tarasenko compared to half on Kane, you're saving over t- almost $2 bucks. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a reason why you can put Amigula in that deal as well. So, I, I think for from that way, it, it made a lot of sense as well to, to keep a little cap flexibility. The one thing I would like to get both you guys to weigh in on is the idea of a big star like that coming into your locker room and not changing the dynamic. It's not like adding Labushkin, who can just like, oh, we hope he plays well. Like you can't ignore Patrick Kane, what he would do media wise, attention wise, hype wise. Like, is it? Is there some fear of bringing in another guy who's a huge name like that? Mike? For my, for myself, when you're putting him with his best bud, Artemi Panarin, I don't think so. Um, I think it really helps when you've got someone who is a big piece of the puzzle in the first place. What you really just hope is it doesn't become a faction. You know what I mean, guys? You've ever been on a team where you've got one faction of guys that do everything together. You hope that they stay ingrained, but Panarin's been there long enough that I don't think that club, especially Chris Drury, would have done something he thought could blow it up. I think they thought that would be seamless. It wasn't always seamless here in St. Louis with Craig Berube and and Tarasenko, Um, but I think he's going to a situation there where it has. And look at the returns, man. Goal is first shift, and the next game, Panarin pops four, even with them being on a different line. It gives depth to the Rangers. It rounds out those top, those top four lines for them. Yeah, I, I think any team would welcome Pat Kane with that resume yeah. and that uh, pedigree, and especially with the Leafs being in a situation where they look around the room and the only Stanley Cup uh, guy we had, we lost in, in Muzzin. And maybe a couple less microphones mm-hmm. in your face, too. Maybe they go to his stall. <laughs> and they know how to handle it. Right. <laughs> One more, and I'm I'm going to pull you back into the, the goaltending guru, Markstrom, Calgary. Man, he can't they, win, they, huh? They, they, everybody's ready to write off Markstrom and go to Vladar. Uh, is there some validity to that? Well, Vladar's winning games. That's what it comes down to, isn't it? I mean, this is the Grant Fuhrer school of goaltending. This is the Ben Bishop school of goaltending where – the only column that matters is the win column. And I will be the first to tell you that I don't think Markstrom has been his best this year, but I don't think he's been as bad 
as many people want to write them off to be. And I know a safe percentage is not good at 892. His goals against is below three. And he's also lost 14 games this year, and in a combined total, his team's given him about 1.7 worth of run support in those games, goals in those games. So how are you going to win when your team isn't even scoring two goals a game and you're allowing less than three? Okay. Now, has he allowed some absolute head scratchers this year? Oh, yeah, he has. And, and I think that's on Markstrom. He knows he can be better. I have a piece of daily face-off you can even find about the, some of the problem areas, I think. Um, but the reality is that Vladar has been winning games. Vladar really hasn't been a lot better statistically or advanced analytic-wise. But if the team's winning, guys, don't you have to go to him? I've been surprised that Daryl Sutter hasn't been able to make that switch and really give a heavier load to Vladar. Uh, I don't know if you caught the highlights or you watched last night uh, of Calgary or Calgary's uh, two-goal uh, lone that lead. The Brinkett bullet was pretty and well placed. The Debrinket goal was placed yeah. perfectly, but at the worst <laughs> angle ever. Yeah. Yep. It was deep, and then the game winner from Stutzla, it's one of the problem areas on Markstrom. Five hole is one, and seven hole. The area between his body and his blocker is another, and that's where Stutzla put it on the game winner. Huh. All right, pal, we're going to let you go. Uh, thanks for doing this. Uh, always uh, interesting stuff from you. Uh, welcome on the show anytime. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. You got it, guys. Have a good one. Thanks for having me as always. That's Mike McKenna, Daily Faceoff. Uh, terrific work for the Real Kipper and Bourne show. He's so good. Now, just my final thought on a Pat Kane potentially being a Toronto Maple Leaf and like where the fit would be. And Mike touched on it, and it's something that I, I didn't have enough time to before we went to break. And that is bunting Matthews, Nylander, leaves you with Kane, JT, and Marner. Do we see a world where there's tremendous chemistry between Kane and Marner on the same line when both kind of, of a them Spider-Man meme. want a quarterback play? Well, well, but aren't you giving – you're giving Kane to Matthews. Right, uh, I, that's what I'm asking. Here. Absolutely. Where do Kane you see Matthews. Kane to Matthews? Kane 100%. Matthews, Nylander. Oh, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta chill up and down my side. Here. No, no, I know. Where? Like, what? What is the call here? Well, I think let's you... play. Uh, let's play Pat Kane at Toronto Maple Leaf. Is it with JT and Marner, or no. is it with Matthews, with Matthews and Nylander? I think you need the defensive or support there... with Matthews. For or, yeah. for Kane, and I think the whole connection between Kane and Matthews, like he, like isn't that yeah, his favorite player? Yeah, they're a couple player? American. Yeah, he loves Kane. They've, yeah. They train in the summer together. Yeah. Like, I think I'm that's... okay with that. Okay, well, who's on the other side? Well, if it's Bunting, that Bunting, I love the idea. Bunting, of someone... Matthews, and Kane. Kane. Yes, and JT, JT, Nylander, and Marner. Oh, well, or yeah, unless you want to create a third line, which now we're talking, but I love that as a second line. Sounds pretty good to me. I mean, let's be real. That's your first line. Matthews is that point. Who's, who's bumped out for Kane? Uh, Kerfoot. Yeah. Kerfoot. Kerfoot's playing the top six. We're back. We're back to Kerfoot in the top six time again. Yeah. Which I but, love. but listen, listen to these conversations we're having, how close their lineup is to making you go, Oh, that's yes. good. It's like, if you add off. whether it's Meyer or it's Kane or it's even O'Reilly, you know, then you're three three lines deep. But they're just like one more forward for making you go, oh, that's so good. But right now the hole is so glaring Yeah, for their sixth forward. I just see right now on the first two lines, 
the quarterbacks right now for me are Marner and Nylander back to back. So what's the guy who just won the Hart Trophy? He's a shooter. Sorry, uh, do you say power play? No, I'm just talking about yeah. Pa- what? Uh, yeah. I'm just talking about the first two lines for the okay. Toronto Maple Leafs. The guys that want you want carrying the mail on your first two lines are Marner and Nylander. That's the way I see it. Okay. So Kane comes in and picks up a lot of that, and you're forced to yeah. tell Nylander or Marner adjust a little bit because we also got this guy who likes to dangle, got great hands, play make, finish, all of it. This guy does it all when he's at the best of his game. I feel like this is, is a too fabricated much? problem. Is it too much? Well, it's a great question because it is real to be like... This is the classic combo. There's only one puck. Yeah, yes. there's, only, there's only one Thank puck. You. you know. Yeah, no, and Thank it's... You. But it's, it's legit but overblown. Like, I, I can't imagine a time like what you would say to Nylander or Marner is do your thing when you have the puck. What do you mean? Do your thing. What nothing changes when you don't have it. Do the right. thing you do when you don't have the puck. All I remember when I played with the Rangers, and uh, every once in a while I played with uh, Sergei ne- uh, Nemchinov and Alex Kovalev, where I'm like, I, I try to go over and help him a little bit. He's like, uh, get away from me, get away from me. I'm doing my thing. Get away from me. And I'm like, oh, I'm out of here. Yeah, I might as well go. And, we're not a cohesive. I'm either going here. to the bench or the first row and, and watching Scram, you. But beat it. Like, like Sammy said, is is there enough puck? I just can't imagine the opportunity to get a player who you think improves your team and saying, well, we're worried that Nylander's not going to get to carry it through the neutral zone as much, so we don't want to do it. I, like, I think, I think, what? I mean, this is an easy thing to say. There's two, there's two ways this goes. He comes here, and he's very hurt, and he's not very good, and he's been the guy that he's been this year in Chicago. Seems right? like the likely, likely outcome. But I also think the reverse outcome where he comes here, He's reinvigorated, rejuvenated. He's trying again. He's playing for a team that has Stanley Cup aspirations. He's playing with another American guy who's one of the best players in the league. And he's just, you know, point per game Patrick Kane like he was last year. Like there are two ways this can go, obviously. But like if he's bad, it could be a very bad thing for his sort of legacy amongst Leaf fans in terms of if he comes here and stinks, it's just the Felino conversation. It's not only that. uh, It doesn't set you very well up for another contract. Exactly. But if he comes here and he's good, he's getting nine mil somewhere. But then if it's Kane, so if it's too many good players or too much, too many puck carriers. Yes. Then Style of play. Then do you prefer Ryan O'Reilly? Or do you prefer Taves? Or do you prefer, I mean, do you prefer? Or, yeah. or you roll the dice and you bring Matthew Nyes in, and you oh. hope that he can have a physical how about, a- aspect to his game. How about you trade about for a guy who, who's named like Ivan Barbashev, who you don't have to re- do this whole retention, Listen, juggling, I, I, you know, Barbashev, circus. But Barbashev, to me, is not a top six guy. No. Okay. I he's agree not, with that. I agree. So, give up your so, second and a third and right. take him and hope he can find a, a good role in the bottom six. Okay. That's, that's Mid. him. But then who's the guy? <laughs> who's the guy that can beat top six, that doesn't carry it too much, yeah. that I guess is Timo Meyer. But then if I'm, <laughs> if I'm Nick Kiprios right now, I'm like, who's going to shoot it? Austin Matthews shoots it all, all the right. time. You can't have two guys well, to shoot it all the time. We've solved nothing well, in I, two minutes from uh, out of our break time. I would like to, I would like to go on record that if Patrick came here, Kane came here, he would absolutely light it up. 
All I'd right. like to be on record with that statement if it does happen. That's super fan Sammy no, talking right now. Guy's a stud, three-time cup winner. Yeah. Reinvigorated, playing with great players. I'm thrilled. Bingo. <laughs> Listen. Not your drafts are good someday. It's a huge name. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a huge name. It's a huge talent. He's one of the greatest players in the history of America. He's a stud. He's a three-time cup yeah. winner, first ballot Hall of Famer. He's right up there with Ryan Reynolds. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right, Ian Mendez, after the break, senior writer for The Athletic, we're going to talk Ottawa Senators and what Ryan Reynolds would mean to the city of Ottawa. You are watching and listening to Real Kipper and Born. If you get a chance, give us a rating and review, a thumbs up on YouTube. We're glad you're aboard. Back after this. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Down and Back, the story of Justin Bourne. Out on shelves today, Indigo Chapters online. Assuming Indigo's got everything figured out. (laughs) A bit of a hiccup there, team, but they're going to be all right. A few uh, pictures in the book. Uh, yeah, not quite. Did you have like a middle section of pictures? Yeah, I did. Yeah, the, the glossy. No, we didn't do that. <laughs> Yours had like Madonna and Mark Messier. People <laughs> didn't want to see my family as much. All right. As promised, Ian Mendez joining us from The Athletic based in Ottawa. Ottawa making some noise, not just a comeback win against the Calgary Flames, uh, but bigger picture stuff. Let's welcome in Ian Mendez. Ian, it's been a while, buddy. Yes, Kipper. How's it going, my friend? I'm well. How are you? Hey, fantastic. Listen, standing outside the UBS arena here on just an app, it feels like spring. And I know it feels like that back home in Ontario, but my goodness, it feels like, uh, it feels like I should be getting ready to cover, cover a playoff game here with this, uh, with this weather. Well, listen, uh, certainly uh, a disappointing uh, season so far in the big picture. This is a team that a lot of people thought that they'd be in a, a, a playoff hunt. Uh, I don't know how you feel uh, after the two points last night, but overall, that's not the biggest story right now. Is that safe to say uh, the ownership uh, situation, the pending sale to whoever is out there uh, is leading the charge here when it comes to the vibes in Ottawa? Yeah, I think so, Kipper. I think that is the number one story, is that we're all just kind of waiting for this other shoe to drop uh, in Ottawa, because this is going to have long-term ramifications uh, on the team, both on the ice, I think, and and maybe more importantly, off the ice. Listen, this franchise, you know, for for people that, um, you know, have followed the NHL long enough, Ottawa has been low-hanging fruit for a lot of fans to kind of punch down on Ottawa and make attendance jokes and talk about the stability of the team. Well, all of that's about to evaporate, I think, when uh, kind of deep-pocketed, stable ownership uh, comes in here. And, and it's probably going to happen at some point in the next four weeks or six weeks, I think, where we get maybe a conditional sale. And that's really going to turn this franchise, uh, I, I think, just completely turn the, the needle here. And, and uh, absolutely, it doesn't matter. Listen, I think everybody would love a Hamburglar-type run here and get them back into the playoffs, but... But realistically speaking, I think we're all pretty excited to see what, what's on the horizon here with ownership. I mean, the Ryan Reynolds thing has become such a focal point of the conversation. It would feel to myself shocking if they went with someone else. Is there a chance that it, you know they don't win the bid? Is Ryan Reynolds pushed it that much into the favorite position? 
Oh, man, you know what, Justin? It's a great point, right? Like, it almost feels like that you can't put the genie back in the bottle, right? Like, right. Wouldn't it feel like a complete disappointment if uh, all of a sudden you woke up tomorrow, you found out, hey, the Ottawa Senators have a new ownership group, and, oh, by the way, Ryan Reynolds isn't part of it. You're like, what happened? Here? Right. Um, <laughs> you know, and, hey, listen, l- listen, full credit, uh, you know, Bruce Garriock at Post Media had the, the story yesterday, full credit to him uh, for the fact that, that, you know, Ryan Reynolds is – uh, you know, looks like he's tied himself to one particular group. And, and, and I think that's interesting because I, I think the sense I got before this was, you know, he was going to kind of sit on the sidelines, just kind of in, in some ways like what Daniel Albertson was going to do, not necessarily hitch his wagon to one particular group, kind of see who wins it and then jump on board at that point. And now, now you know, it doesn't, uh, that does not appear to be the case, which is fascinating to me because I think if you're the NHL, uh, like how do you, how do you not go with this? Look, look at what he's done for Wrexham uh, overseas. Look at what the, the potential, I think, for marketing and exposure for the National Hockey League and the Ottawa Senators here. I just I don't know how they say no uh, to a bid involving Ryan Reynolds. I give Ryan Reynolds a lot of credit because once this thing started, one of the first things he said is, well, I can't afford this. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I'm just wondering... What does this say about us that we've made Ryan Reynolds, who can't afford to own his te- uh, a team by himself, the focal point here? And are we putting too much stock in Ryan Reynolds here uh, as as being the key in all of this? Are we have we gone so far into wanting Instagram moments that we feel like this can't be done anymore without Ryan Reynolds? Please, no, 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 Reynolds listen, hater, you are. I, I think. Yeah, I, I think, okay, so I think this is the message. Listen, listen. What do you want? And, and I kind Free of mobile use? Uh, okay. <laughs> Not aviation yeah. gin. <laughs> That's right. The, you got the cell phone, you got the, the, the gin. But no, I think realistically, and I referenced this a little bit earlier. Look, Ottawa has always been this sort of little sibling, right? Like, I think when you look at the Senators franchise, even just geographically kind of sandwiched between Toronto and Montreal, which I think are the two most historic franchises in the NHL, um, there's, there's just a little bit of a little sibling feeling to the Senators, right, where they just can't quite sit at the adult table, uh, you know, at, at these big moments. And I think Ryan Reynolds can help change and shape that narrative. I, I do think it's important. I, 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 I look Again, I look at what he did with Wrexham, and he took a, basically an anonymous uh, soccer team over there and turned them into kind of a household name where they're, you know, all of a sudden uh, you're seeing their game streamed in North America. That wasn't happening before. You, you've seen the merchandise fly off the shelf. Um, think of what he could do for the Ottawa Senators. I, and I think um, where I think I, I think where he can really make a difference is I think he really wants to go down the documentary route. He wants to be able to tell the story of this franchise that maybe never should have had a team in the first place 30 years ago that kind of always was the underdog. And I, I think, you know, he's got a personal connection to the city. He's got, uh, you know, I, I think he's got some investment into this where I don't think he's just going to show up every six months, you know, take some photo ops and take off. Like, I, I think he is really invested into doing this. And I, again, I, I'll go back to the, 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 the point Justin made, which was, I, I just don't know. I don't know that you can put the genie back in the bottle at this mm-hmm. stage of the game. So, sorry, do you want to add to that? Um, Kipper, right. he's such a Reynolds no, hater. No, no, no I'm not you? a Reynolds hater. <laughs> I'm not. I'm just, uh, I don't want to see this thing turn into a, yeah. a circus. I think and he's already, you know, you, he meant, Ian mentioned the documentary thing. Like, he's got a team with him for the purchase process. Does he not, Ian? Have you heard that? Well, 
Listen, and I listen. I hear Kipper saying he he doesn't want to turn this into a circus. May I remind you of what the last ten years have been like? <laughs> as, you, as you're walking <laughs> on peanut shells, it's been a, a, a three ring big top circus, you know. Uh, so yeah, sorry. No, it's, now now I've completely forgotten the question. From, uh, from <laughs> it's fine. I, I've forgotten it too, to be honest. It's uh, we'll move on. We'll talk about the hockey team. Um, actually, before yeah. we talk about the hockey team, I, I am curious to know what sort of timeline there would be to get in a new rink. The whole LeBreton Flats thing is something I have heard about for a long time. But like, when is what is a realistic timeline for that to be a reality for the Senators? I think you're looking at five years from now yeah. that they could be playing games there. Like. I know. And, you know, what's really disappointing for a lot of us that live in Ottawa is had the original proposal not uh, kind of deteriorated into kind of, you know, lawsuit versus lawsuit, uh, this would have been the season that they would have been playing games in the new downtown arena. That's the frustrating part. But it's going to be probably, if they're lucky, they get the shovels in the ground in 2024, early 2024. But I was told, listen, you probably look at three years to probably properly build this. Um, there's, there's, as you know, if, if we're known for one thing in Ottawa, it's red tape. Uh, there's, there's going to be some red tape around this. There's going to be some, uh, you know, there's just going to be a lot of things to navigate here. It's not as simple as, okay, here's the plot of land you go. Uh, the federal government, believe it or not, is actually involved in this because they kind of own, um, the rights to that land. So this is going to take, I think probably from right now, like I'm thinking the 2027, 2028 season would feel like a safe realistic miles so maybe maybe yeah, four four to five years I'm, I'm thinking um i guess till till when we could potentially see them playing games there ian where's the dynamic when it comes to the day-to-day operations and a pending sale and i would imagine it's business as usual for pierre dorian but is there anyone in ottawa believes that he could still uh hang around after a, a pending sale well, I think, look, I think what's going to be the challenge for Pierre is that if they miss the – look, I think if they make the playoffs and they go on some sort of, like I said, Hamburglar-esque run, I think you can make an argument that everybody deserves a chance to stay. I think you've turned the ship around. I, I do. But if they miss the playoffs, guys, I, I don't think – I think I wrote about this about six months ago. There has never been a general manager in the salary cap era to miss the playoffs in six straight years and keep his job. Like it just has never happened. Right. And so, uh, and, and then you go on and then DJ Smith would have had four seasons uh, and not making the playoffs. It just feels like, boy, something would likely have to change on one or both of those fronts. Um, you know, right now, I think it's pretty much the status quo. Like I'd be shocked though. Like I, the last time I checked in with the, 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 the Brinkett camp, I got the sense that there was nothing cooking and that was in the early part of January. I, I really don't see how they could make the financial commitment to somebody like Alex DeBrinket. And you're talking probably in a you know, $60 million range, something maybe north of that. I don't know how they could, could do it with the current ownership group being kind of a little bit in flux. I think that's something that you have to wait for the new owners to come in and say, yeah, we want Alex DeBrinket. We'll sign him to you know, whatever, eight times eight, and, and off we go. So I think for the most part, the day-to-day stuff is fine. I think if they want to make little moves, that's fine. Um, they got a little bit of uh, salary cap relief from the Josh Norris injury that I think they can play with a little bit here. Um, but yeah, I, I don't see them doing anything drastic and certainly not taking on any significant term uh, or salary here in the next few weeks. I, I don't think. So let me get this straight. You're 
there are people in Ottawa that think they can still make the playoffs or, or just you? Uh, listen, I think, you know what, the, like last night's game was the great example of everybody uh, it, it had to go. It, it was the old, you know, kind of old takes exposed on Twitter because I think 57 minutes into that game, people were like, this team is done. They've quit. Uh, this is awful. And then boom, 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 three goals in the span of four minutes and they, they come back and win. And it's just, boy, they've just kept you hanging around. Now, you're asking me personally? I don't think so. I think it's about a, they got about a four and a half. Like, if you just look at statistical probabilities, you think it's like a 4% chance of them making the plus. I think the bigger chance for Ottawa, it's not the eight points. Like, they're eight points back of Pittsburgh. That's not the problem. It's the volume of teams between them and Pittsburgh. Right. It's Florida. It's Buffalo. It's, you know, it's, it's all these teams, the, the Islanders that are playing tonight. If you only had to pass one team and you were eight points out, you might be, might be able to talk me into getting on a hot streak and, and making some noise. But, man, I, I don't see it right now. I want to be wrong. I think everybody wants to be wrong. We'd love to see another Hamburg-Laresque type of run here. With, you know, again, both the goalies are out. But uh, at this time, I, I can't sit here and realistically tell you that they've got a, a legitimate chance of making the playoffs. So, you know, one last one for me. Just uh, uh, I want to talk about the actual team on the ice and what's gone I don't want to say what's gone wrong, but, you know, how do you assess this season for them? Expectations were high after a good summer. They show flashes where you're like, you can see it. I can see why this team is going to be a pain to put away, you know, why they're going to win some hockey games. But what, what, how do you assess the, the season for the Sens on the ice? You know, it's, it's been really inconsistent, and it's been a little bit maddening, right? They'd they, they, they win five out of six, and you think, okay, they've turned this around, and they would lose three or four in a row, and it's just kind of been like that. All year long. What I think is really interesting, I think at the beginning of the year I said, you know, if Ottawa could end up maybe flirting with 90 points and just staying in the playoff race, like I figured maybe the playoff cutoff would be maybe 95 points or something, 94 points at least. I said, you know, if Ottawa could finish with 90 points and kind of be in the playoff race in March, I think we'd all call that a win. And I think what's funny is now, like if you look at them from a – NHL 500 is fake 500, but from a points percentage uh, standpoint, they're kind of on pace for maybe, what, 86, 87 points, and now you're like, you know what? They may not end up falling that far short of the kind of realistic expectations we set, but I think when you're coming off the summer, it was the summer of Pierre, and they added the Brinkett, and they added Giroux, and they, and they traded Talbot. They kind of did a lot of win-now moves, right? Like, you don't trade your first-round pick, seventh overall at the draft, um, and be like, oh, no, just patience, everybody. Like, no, that's a win-now move. You traded a 23-year-old goaltending prospect in Philip Gustafson for Cam Talbot, who had one year left on his deal. That's a win-now move. So I, I think we do kind of have to judge them a little bit on uh, being a bit of a disappointment because I do think the moves, despite what they said of only wanting to play playoff games, a lot of their actions seem to dictate that they were thinking that they could legitimately be a playoff team this year. They've got such great names uh, and and players that uh, look like they can be all-stars if not already the case with uh, Brady Kachuk but will the demise of this season fall on Pierre Dorian not getting this defenseman he's been looking for like forever yeah like that's been the the one thing that has been the Achilles heel right now like if, if you had talked to people in July and said what does this team need you would have said well they, they still need a defenseman and now we're having this conversation here in the middle of February and it's, you feel like, well, he could still use another defenseman. And that's, that's the difficult thing. Look, Jake Sanderson, it's too bad, uh, you know, people won't see him if they're watching or paying attention tonight or in the next week or so. He's out with, uh, with an upper body injury. Guys, he's been 
unbelievable. And and I think he was trending towards potentially maybe I was thinking maybe he could make some noise in the Calder race down the stretch. Like he was just he was playing so well. And I, I think he's their best defenseman right now. And so, you know, I think he's exceeded expectations. I think Artem Zub has been really good. Um you're just you're missing that one guy though in, in, in the top four to, to to maybe play with Shabbat or to play with Sanderson. That's going to be the thing and look, most people know it's hard to land a defenseman, but People will say, look, the Devils got Ryan Graves, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, and uh, Devon Taves went to, uh, to Colorado. Like, those types of top four defensemen, John Marino moved too, um, they move. They, they, you just have to be willing to give up the assets, and, you know, at this stage of the game, Ottawa hasn't been, uh, hasn't been willing to go there. Listen, I, I'm not pushing Ryan Reynolds from here on end. Uh, if, if anyone <laughs> is going to become uh, an owner with no money down, it should be a guy like you, Ian. <laughs> You know the community oh, I don't have better. The, I don't have the equity. I don't have the equity Neither of uh, does Ryan, Ryan Reynolds. Reynolds. Oh. Are they in a similar tax <laughs> bracket, wants, Ian and he Ryan? Wants, he wants the I, team for free. So. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, you do See a terrific job. You'll work harder. <laughs> you'll, you'll work harder I, than I, Ryan Reynolds. I guarantee you. Oh. <laughs> I appreciate it. Hey, by the way, congratulations, Justin, on the book. Uh, uh, I think thanks. that's it's, it's a great story, and I, everybody in the hockey world is really proud of you, and I'm, I'm happy to see that uh, that book is out there. Uh, kind of you to say, my friend. Thanks so much. Ian, yeah. don't be such a stranger on our show. Yeah, anytime, guys. All, All right. right. We'll Ian, talk to you soon. Thank Ian you. Ian Mendez, senior writer for The Athletic, based in Ottawa. Uh, terrific broadcaster as well. I got to spend a lot of time with uh, Ian over the years here at Sportsnet. We had some fun times. It's actually, it's always funny when we get someone on the air who we haven't had. I don't know if we've had Ian. It's at crazy, all. We've and we're ne- like, we've never had him. Like, yeah. What are we doing? Like, okay, so was he, awesome. he's in the loop now. Yeah, covered lockouts with him. And yeah, thrown footballs on Fifth Avenue at what? What? three Sorry? o'clock in the morning, waiting for lockout <laughs> news. Oh yeah, let's uh, say Fifth Avenue at three o'clock in the morning. I, if boys, if there's Somehow our show's still going when the next CBA is up and there's a lockout. We're gonna need a uh, new producer. I officially quit. I'm saying that now. <laughs> right right away. Uh, You're not good with the no. filler stuff. No, I don't want to brag, but oh boy, Hockey Central at noon. Doug McLean and I, during the lockout, our ratings went up. That's how bad your game analysis was. <laughs> <laughs> they just want, well, they love hearing you guys yell at each other. That's, the, that's, that's electric content. Everybody wants that. It's been amateur hour at its best. <laughs> I tuned so I, in. I, I, I was tuned in. That's where the bar is. Okay. I was tuned in. Big time. I was locked in. We would have to get real feisty, you and I. Oh, like, I won't be here. One more on Ryan Reynolds. Oh All right, let's address your oh issues here. What is going on with the Ryan Reynolds? Poo poo uh, and Ryan Reynolds. I just don't want to overstate this whole celebrityism and people getting caught up in it. All right, he's not your average How? celebrity. Yes, he is. No, he's, he's your run of the mill oh celeb. That is the wrongest thing of all. No, he's just a celeb. Just They're all the another same. Celeb, Looking just like Kipper, another celeb. We do not agree. Likes and. Uh, Thumbs ups. He is a grinding worker. You said it. You How know, hard is, do you think he's going to work for the Ottawa Senators when he gets a hard. freebie? Super hard. Yeah, okay, Ryan. Season ticket meeting on Thursday. 
why be do, there. Walking his bag off. <laughs> what Wrexham is in Wales? Why do we know about well, Wrexham? It's a good thing for the Sens because the Sens and the Re- and Wrexham are about the same amount of relevance. So it's perfect. Ah. Perfect. But they really got the black and red going on. Got the Deadpool thing there. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah put your movie schedule to the side because we got a town hall meeting on Friday at 3 o'clock. I think he sold Aviation Gin for, I don't know, half a billion dollars. Oh, really? Yeah, everything he so, touches so, turns okay. to gold. Wrexham turns whoa, whoa, to gold. Mint whoa. Mobile turns to gold. All right, then, everything he touches. All right, then then chip in three or $400 million for the Ottawa Senators. I think he might. He doesn't have it. According to CelebrityListRichness.com, <laughs> he's poor. This guy's looking for a freebie, okay? Oh, that's just, come on, what are you freebies? <laughs> gonna, how much do you think he's going to put up? 20 bucks? What, do you, uh, what is the number? You well, seem to know. I don't seem to know, but I got to <laughs> believe I was... it's $100 million or something. Hundred million? Are you nuts? $10 million? I don't know. He's playing the Ryan Reynolds card. I'm famous. I'm this. I don't need to pay. If he can elevate the value of the franchise with his celebrity, that, that is value to the franchise. Great. Show me the metrics on that, Mr. Analytics. Give me some <laughs> hard numbers that Ryan Reynolds gets a fr- uh, freebie, yeah. and I'm going to drive up this sure. amount of money for you. Say, yeah, can I have that, uh, those analytic numbers, please? You say, yeah, okay, Wrexham was worth a bowl of Cheerios, and now it's worth, bowl of I don't know. <laughs> Have you seen what that franchise has done? Yeah. They, I mean, it's the value of he, that he's increased it. I can't imagine what he would do for the Senators. I would be, if I was one of these big swinging you-know-whats, I would be trying to hire him so hard. 100%. Kippers, I also Kippers, the right. idea that some like, like, grumpy rich guy's like, oh, fine, I'll, be, I'll build a billion and just get rid of him. Get no, rid of Reynolds. Like, I would... You know, I would want, if I'm one of the rich guys, I want Reynolds with my bid. What do they have for season tickets there? Do we have any idea? 8,000, 9,000. I don't know. Ryan Reynolds becomes the owner. That jumps to 12,000, 13,000. Pretty significant. I don't think so. No? No. I do. I go to Netflix and get them for free I, after I, my $15 I, a right, month. Yeah. I don't I think, need to go spend thousands on season tickets. But, like, don't you think a couple extra people a game are going to be there because of him? Like, a couple extra hundred? I just think the, think it would the that brand much? recognition of the Ottawa Senators changes when someone that's like fair. him is involved. I think that's fair. You know, like... But I do, get, do, I do agree with where... Kipper. So I'm, I'm riding the fence here hard. <laughs> I'm riding the fence. So according to you... Uh-oh, me? Or you. Okay. I don't care. I'll uh, pick, I'm playing um, this side today. Right? The, the Raptors probably be out of business if it wasn't for Drake, eh? Oh. Uh, I don't think Drake hurts their value. But he has, but and I don't their even, brand recognition. And then, I don't even know if he's officially evolved anymore. Is he still the global ambassador? Is that still a thing? I don't know. Yeah, who knows? The globe is a way. But who did he? He was like, oh, he'll bring all these sweet free agents. And like the Raptors free agent science have literally been the worst ever didn't, for the last like 10 years. So. Was that a claim? Didn't MLSE make him this jacket that costs like $800,000? Do you remember that story? Yeah, it was like the yeah it had like the lined. Yeah, it was expensive. I don't know if it was eight hundred thousand, oh, Kipper. Was it solid Google gold? It. Okay, I'll Google it right now. Google it. So, do you think Drake or Ryan Reynolds theory, has no money? It's Ryan Reynolds by ten thousand times. You think Ryan Reynolds richer than Drake? I do. No shot. Those streaming. No he, shot. No shot. You guys are no your mind. Shot. I just mentioned no. Aviation no. Gin and everything else. I guess OVO might be. Uh, Drake uh, is so rich. Like the music, he's on like. He's 68 million monthly listeners on Spotify. 
Just Google jacket. Okay, okay. Raptors okay, jacket. Okay, I'm, 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 I already have it. Here. Okay, it's a diamond you. encrusted sports jacket <laughs> worth an estimated seven hundred and sixty-nine thousand. Oh, so not, so not eight hundred thousand. Then you're, you're not even. Oh yeah, I'm forty thousand. <laughs> My theory proves that Drake actually inflation. Cost the it's Raptors worth eight hundred thousand now. No, it doesn't prove that. What do you know about what they've That's done for analytics. the value of the brand? You want analytics? I just spent seven hundred sixty-nine thousand on a jacket for Drake. Yeah, well, maybe That's real maybe he's brought in seven point six billion. I don't know. That was just not right. But you know what I mean. All right. This is what happens when the Leafs don't play hockey. We're screaming at each other about who's richer. I just put a poll online: who has more money, Ryan Reynolds or Drake? A poll? Yeah. Stay oh my tuned. god, it's no close. It's not close to me. Drake's kicking butt. I mean, we could Google that. What's Drake? Ah, net worth. <laughs> <laughs> two hundred and sixty million dollars. That was in twenty. That was in twenty twenty two. So let's see what Ryan Reynolds was. Okay, that's a BS number. It's all BS numbers. It's because I think they said more. Ryan Reynolds was one fifty. He yeah, just sold a company for yeah. four hundred. Well, though so Ryan Reynolds is one fifty according to the Googler, yeah. and and Drake according to the same machine is two sixty. Yeah. So therefore richer. I, don't I think he got a percentage of the uh, gin sale. He's like a spokesperson for the next ten years and his profits are or his pay is tied okay. to profits and stuff. Uh, okay, like that. okay, okay. Interesting. I'd be making him stroke a check if you want to come into the play well, with the big he's boys. He's not coming in for no money. Well don't be pulling out the the pockets like they're rabbit ears either. <laughs> I don't think he will. I, I am now I'm fascinated to see. I also can't believe I ever dug in on being like such a pro any celebrity. It's not really a distasteful thing. So, sorry. All right, about let's that. move on. Just, just admit that he's a run of the mill celeb. No, same guy. Never. No, They're no, all no. the same guy. Nope. Okay. No, no. All right. Okay. I ditch Ryan and go get the Rock. Then agree. Like, if you want to go big, go get the Rock. That's a good idea. But he's a Leafs guy. He's a Leafs guy now. He says, let's go Maple Leafs or whatever he chanted. It turns out. Let's go Leafs. I, I think I'm like way go off Leafs. on Is this. Is too busy with some sort of like CFL, XFL knockoff now or something like that? The Rock? No. But he, but, Did he? Didn't he? Well, boys, we got to get the show back on. <laughs> this is not off the rails Friday, boys. <laughs> Tuesday's a work day. Okay, where do we go? We go to uh, Alex Ovechkin going back to Russia, a, a family situation with his dad. I think that's out there. Is that what it is? Yeah. I mean, I know he's going back to Russia. So I knew family. We just had Ian Mendez talking about some believers maybe in Ottawa still being in it, uh, eight points behind. The teams, they, they got to jump up. But is is there something to be said about uh, like Ottawa or Florida that – you're watching Pittsburgh and Washington and going, yeah, like they're not exactly running away with the the wild card spots here. Why wouldn't we hang in here? And and now that Ovechkin's out of the lineup, and let's be honest here, he's not day to day. He's not coming back in three or four days. Here you go to you go to Russia. Uh, you got issues, you know, with your your family. There's travel issues. There's how to get in there. How to get? It's not easy anymore. He he could be gone for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. So Washington and Pittsburgh are at sixty two and sixty one points behind them. I mean, Florida's at sixty. Islanders sixty. Buffalo fifty six. Detroit fifty six. I mean, Ottawa just behind that. Like, there's a whole cluster of teams that if anyone gets hot. It, the playoffs are not out of the question. Not to mention the Capitals have played fifty-five games. That's three more than Detroit, Buffalo. Like fifty-five games, and you're looking at future games without Ovechkin. And 
we've talked earlier on this show about John Carlson out of the lineup. Yeah. And like, who's now your number one power play guy? It's the guy that killed the Leafs there, uh, Gustafson. Yeah, that's right. And Orlov. That's your number one and your number two power play guys now. Cap's in trouble. Cap's in real trouble. So we'll be curious to see when he comes back because they're, you know, we we had Florida out of the playoffs pretty early, but, you know, they are 6-3-1 and one in their last 10. They're sniffing around there. Tom Wilson skated today but uh, isn't expected to be in the lineup till the weekend. I, I guess that, that that's a help for sure. But no Ovi for the next little while. Yeah. Here's a quiz for you. Did you know you know who's playing in an outdoor game this weekend? Uh, no. Oh, ca- oh, yes, Carolina. Carolina and Washington. Yes. All right. Yeah, there's an outdoor game. So I just wanted to bring that to your attention. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know it's like a stadium series. Like uh, I saw some pictures of what it's supposed to look like, and I was like, when? What year is that? And where, where is it played? In Carolina. Carolina. Which? What's the weather like in Carolina? It's ten degrees here Celsius. I. I would think Carter it's Finley not, Stadium. It's not hot there. It's, it's be, not like eighty. Your daughter's there, isn't she? In like fifteen degrees this South time of Carolina. year. South Carolina. South Carolina is there a difference. Okay. okay. And I think it's cold down there too. Okay. Cold and relatively speaking, like maybe uh, 10, 11, right. 12 okay. degrees in Charlotte, North Carolina. It is nineteen degrees and sunny today. Have fun, Dan Craig. So they're swimming. <laughs> they're swimming. <laughs> they're having. They're actually going to have a swim competition. <laughs> Who wouldn't tune in to watch? Carolina try to outswim them. Uh, Islanders tonight against Ottawa. So that's one of those games where I'm not going to say must win, but you cannot think that you can make progress even if you're the Islanders without taking two points tonight. Islanders are hanging on by a thread. Hanging on by a thread here. This is must win for them. This is actually a huge game for both teams. Ottawa's at that point where pretty dead. You know, the, he mentioned, uh, Ian mentioned the Hamburglar-esque run. They need something like that. They can, lost tonight pretty much does it. But yeah, Islanders got to get this one tonight. Um, uh, like, Florida's the closest right now, are yeah. they not? Yeah. And there's still, there's not a real sense that this is now the team that's found its way since winning the President's Trophy last year. No, but you do feel like if they got into the playoffs, they're... R- Real dangerous, yeah. Like they they have goalies who have gotten hot at times. They have, you know, Barkov and Kachuk, and they got guys like they're. I don't they're, think I don't think Carolina wants to see him them and you know in the first wild card. Spot. No, Carolina's banking on getting the Islanders or the Sabers or Pittsburgh or Washington limping I, in. Like, I'm actually looking at, looking at the standing. It's it's going to be a pretty fascinating finish for the Eastern Conference in terms of the bottom of it. Like last it really year is. wasn't. No, Last year, I think it was, it was decided. Like, Remember, it was like the eight teams were in basically from the start. Islanders were ninth and now to playoffs by like ten points or something. It yeah. wasn't particularly compelling. Yeah. So who's in it right now in the East? It's that Pitt- you just say one hundred percent. This is going to go down to the wire. Mm-hmm. What you're feeling like, uh, and you, you think Buffalo and Islanders and Florida are, will all remain into playoff contention right to the end. Uh. I could see, I don't want to say this about my Sabres, but I could see them fade. They're, they've lost three in a row now uh, after getting, they were within a couple points. They've lost three in a row now. They're, you know, five points back. And do we put Detroit in there too because they're tied with Buffalo, are they not? Yeah, give them a little one, love here. They've won three in a row. Ah. They've won three in a row. It's going to come down to Florida, Pittsburgh, Washington, and the Islanders, and, and probably. In, I think Buffalo think? can 
work their way into that. So Calgary has a huge comeback the, uh, a few games ago against Buffalo. And that's a feel good. And then they give it all back last night against Ottawa. There so, is go ahead. No team I know less about than the Calgary Flames. <laughs> In terms of just like, are they good or not? Because I think, you know, like I like their roster and I bet on them and then they lose. And then I'm like, here they come. And then they're bad. And then I'm finally like, they're bad okay, and they win. But they can't miss the playoffs, can they? The Calgary Flames? Oh, yeah, they can. Right now, they're on the outside looking in. Another- Calgary has a huge come. Oh. <laughs> Just random what was audio. That? What was that? Was that me? Was that Who was that? That was two seconds ago. Okay. But, yeah, no, they're in, Sam, but they've got three more games played than Colorado and one more point. Like, so yeah, they're, that's, they're out by points percentage. That's scary. Yeah. Markov isn't doing the goalie union. Any- Markstrom? Markstrom, sorry. Yeah, you're good. Markstrom has not, is not doing anything. Anything for the goalie union to believe that they deserve long-term contracts. I know. You don't want to give anyone a long-term contract. It's terrifying. What are your thoughts, not to change that yeah. subject, but on Vancouver uh, at post it. So they were on video doing the yes. army crawl through the neutral zone. They got shelled by Detroit, trading away Horvat. Like It's like any other scenario. It doesn't matter. You... You don't like what you see when you come in. You assess it and you strip it down and you build it back up the way you want to. And that the, the army crawl is just part of the process. We should do that in junior with our like, you know. I think it's a real junior move. Kind of. You no, know, but it's like, I think the idea is like, we're going to put the boys through the paces. We're going to work. We're going to, you know, it's, it's a work ethic thing. I don't think it's about this is going to make our team better. It's a mindset thing. Right, that we're committing to the physical element yeah. of it, and I'm a new coach. Boudreaux's, those boys didn't do any army how, crawls at Bruce. How much do you think is optics? Because I look at the army crawl, and I could easily make them do planks in the weight room sure. without the cameras. Yes. yes, I don't know that hundred percent. I don't though. I right. don't think that it's for the media. I think it's for the players. Just again, a mindset thing where it's like. I am the hard-nosed coach. We are doing hard things. I don't care if you think they're stupid. This is, like, the way we're going to do it. And I don't know if that's – I don't think it's for the media, but you think part of that is well, – I, I, I'm just – Yeah. Like, there has to be a, an element of that, I think, for sure, for anybody that – any time that you uh, – down and backs, uh, yelling well, – Thanks and, for the uh, right? yes. the plug there. there you oh, go. That's wow. where it came from, that, down and back. Down and backs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Army crawls, uh, yelling at the players in practice, banging a stick against the boards. Bruce Boudreaux said yesterday the days of no pucks are gone. And Rick Talkett was like, are they? Are you sure? (laughs) So apparently there's a bit of a disagreement at practice today with the Canucks too. Quinn Hughes and Dakota Joshua apparently got into a spirited shoving shoving match during a battle drill. Connor Garland involved too, if I could speak. And uh, Hughes was very visibly upset, according to uh, Britton Bachelor. You know who loved that? Rick Tockett. Yes. I would, too, if I was a Canucks yeah. fan. I used to see somebody pissed off. Very, right? very common when things are really ugly on a hockey club is to pin them against themselves in practice. Yeah, and you do some physical battle drills. Yes. And you say... This is, you know, this is not okay. You know, we're we're trying to raise the temperature and intensity Kip, of the group. Kipper, you ever fight anybody in practice? Yeah, nothing that stands out. Yeah, two two practice yeah. fights. Oh uh, yeah, for like, sure. Gloves yeah. off, flippers gone. No more wrestling and uh, 
rabid punches. And mine, mine actually were both college hockey. So helmets eventually came off, but you start off just with the whatever, and Sticks, it escalates. Spears, yeah. a slash. Yeah. You know what it was for me is that. You know, I would be at net front and taking like shots from our demon. Yeah, like, what the hell like, you doing? Right, man? Yeah, like we're same team. I get it. You're a tough guy, but yeah. like not now, <laughs> please. Yeah. Oh, one practice, I uh, I lost, I lost my bearings, and I ran the <laughs> out of Mike Liute. <laughs> he went down. He went down like a ton of bricks. How are you going to do that and with then, ten seconds left he, in the show? And then he had the big stick with a Billy Smith slash. All right, we're back tomorrow. See you, everybody.